0: Chapter 5, Part 2 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 3, Mary Stewart. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Mary Maxwell. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 3, Mary Stewart, by Alexander Dumas. All that day Mary did not come down remaining at her window from where she at least enjoyed a splendid view over the plains and villages of kinross but this vast extent only contracted her heart the more when bringing her gaze back from the horizon to the castle she beheld its walls surrounded on all sides by the deep waters of the lake on whose wide surface a single boat where little douglas was fishing was rocking like a speck for some moments mary's eyes mechanically rested on this child whom she had already seen upon her arrival "'when suddenly a horn sounded from the Kinross side. "'At the same moment little Douglas threw away his line "'and began to row towards the shore "'whence the signal had come "'with skill and strength beyond his ears. "'Mary, who had let her gaze rest on him absently, "'continued to follow him with her eyes "'and saw him make for a spot on the shore so distant "'that the boat seemed to her at length "'but an imperceptible speck. "'But soon it reappeared, growing larger as it approached.' and Mary could then observe that it was bringing back to the castle a new passenger, who, having in his turn taken the oars, made the little skiff fly over the tranquil water of the lake, where it left a furrow gleaming in the last rays of the sun. Very soon, flying on with the swiftness of a bird, it was near enough for Mary to see that the skillful and vigorous oarsman was a young man from twenty-five to twenty-six years of age, with long black hair, clad in a close coat of green cloth, and wearing a highlander's cap, adorned with an eagle's feather. Then, as with his back turned to the window he drew nearer, little Douglas, who was leaning on his shoulder, said a few words which made him turn round towards the queen. Immediately Mary, with an instinctive movement rather than with the dread of being an object of idle curiosity, drew back, but not so quickly, however, but that she had been able to see the handsome pale face of the unknown, who, when she returned to the window, Had disappeared behind one of the corners of the castle everything is a cause of conjecture to a prisoner it seemed to mary that this young man's face was not unknown to her and that he had seen her already but though great the care with which she questioned her memory she could not recall any distinct remembrance so much so that the queen ended in thinking it the play of her imagination or that some vague and distinct resemblance had deceived her however in spite of mary this idea had taken an, an important place in her mind. She incessantly saw this little boat skimming the water, and the young man and the child who were in it drawing near her, as if to bring her help. It followed that, although there had been nothing real in all these captives' dreams, she slept that night a calmer sleep than she had yet done since she had been in Loch Castle. Next day, on rising, Mary ran to her window. The weather was fine, and everything seemed to smile on her the water, the heavens, and the earth. But without being able to account for the restraining motive, she did not want to go down into the garden before breakfast. When the door opened, she turned quickly round. It was, as on the day before, William Douglas, who came to fulfill his duty as taster. The breakfast was a short and silent one. Then, as soon as Douglas had withdrawn, Mary descended in her turn, and crossing the courtyard she saw two horses ready saddled which pointed to the near departure of a master and a squire was it the young man with the black hair already setting out again this is what mary did not dare or did not wish to ask she consequently went her way and entered the garden at the first glance she took it in in its full extent it was deserted mary walked there a moment then soon tiring of the promenade she went up again to her room in passing back through the courtyard she had noticed that the horses were no longer there Directly she returned into her apartment, she went then to the window to see if she could discover anything upon the lake to guide her in her conjectures. A boat was in fact receding, and in this boat were the two horses and the two horsemen. One was William Douglas, the other a simple squire from the house. Mary continued watching the boat until it had touched the shore. Arrived there, the two horsemen got out, disembarked their horses, and went away at full gallop, taking the same road by which the queen had come so that, as the horses were prepared for a long journey, Mary thought that William Douglas was going to Edinburgh. As to the boat, scarcely had it landed its two passengers on the opposite shore than it returned towards the castle. At that moment Mary Seton announced to the Queen that Lady Douglas was asking permission to visit her. It was the second time, after long hatred on Lady Douglas's part and contemptuous indifference on the Queen's, that the two women were face to face, Therefore the queen, with that instinctive impulse of coquetry which urges women, in whatever situation they find themselves, to desire to be beautiful, above all for women, made a sign to Mary Seton, and going to a little mirror fastened to the wall in a heavy gothic frame, she arranged her curls and readjusted the lace of her collar. Then, having seated herself in the pose most favorable to her, in a great armchair, the only one in her sitting room, she said smilingly to Mary Seaton that she might admit Lady Douglas, who was immediately introduced. Mary's expectation was not disappointed. Lady Douglas, in spite of her hatred for James V's daughter and mistress of herself as she thought she was, could not prevent herself from showing by a movement of surprise the impression that this marvelous beauty was making on her. She thought she should find Mary crushed by her unhappiness, pallid from her fatigues, humbled by captivity, and she saw her calm, lovely, and haughty as usual. Mary perceived the effect that she was producing, and addressing herself with an ironical smile partly to Mary Seton, who was leaning on the back of her chair, and partly to her who was paying her this unforeseen visit. We are fortunate today, she said, for we are going, as it seems, to enjoy the society of our good hostess, whom we thank besides for having kindly maintained with us the empty ceremony of announcing herself a ceremony with which having the keys to our apartment she could have dispensed if my presence is inconvenient to your grace replied lady Lochleven, i am all the more sorry for it as circumstances will oblige me to impose it twice daily at least during the absence of my son who is summoned to edinburgh by the regent this is of what i came to inform your grace not with the empty ceremonial of the court but with the consideration which Lady Lochleven owes to every one who has received hospitality in her castle. Our good hostess mistakes our intention, Mary answered with affected good nature, and the regent himself can bear witness to the pleasure we have always had in bringing nearer to us the persons who can recall to us, even indirectly, our well-beloved father, James the Fifth. It will be therefore unjustly that Lady Douglas will interpret in a manner disagreeable to herself, our surprise at seeing her, and the hospitality that she offers us so obligingly, does not promise us, in spite of her goodwill, sufficient distractions that we should deprive ourselves of those that her visits cannot fail to procure us. Unfortunately, madam, replied Lady Lochleven, whom Mary was keeping standing before her, whatever pleasure I myself derive from these visits, I should be obliged to deprive myself of, except at the times I have mentioned. I am now too old to bear fatigue, and I have always been too proud to endure sarcasms. Really, Seaton cried Mary, seeming to recollect herself, we had not dreamed that Lady Lochleven, having won her right to a stool at the court of the king, my father, would have need to preserve it in the prison of the queen, his daughter. Bring forward a seat, Seaton, that we be not deprived so soon, and by a failure of memory on our part of our gracious hostess's company, or even, went on Mary, rising and pointing out her own seat to Lady Lochleven, who was making a motion to withdraw, if a stool does not suit you, my lady, take this easy chair. You will not be the first member of your family to sit in my place. At this last allusion, which recalled to her Mary's usurpation, Lady Lochleven was no doubt about to make some exceedingly bitter reply, when the young man with the dark hair appeared on the threshold without being announced, and advancing towards Lady Lochleven, without saluting Mary. Madam, he said, bowing to the former, the boat which took my brother has just returned, and one of the men in it is charged with a pressing charge that Lord William forgot to make to you himself. Then, saluting the old lady with the same respect, he immediately went out of the room, without even glancing at the Queen, who, hurt by this impertinence, turned round to Mary Seton, and with her usual calm... What have they told us, Seaton, of injurious rumors which were spread about our worthy hostess apropos of a child with a pale face and dark hair? If this child, as I have every reason to believe, has become the young man who just went out of the room, I am ready to affirm to all the incredulous that he is a true Douglas, if not for courage, of which we cannot judge, then for insolence, of which he has just given us proofs. "'Let us return, darling,' continued the queen, leaning on Mary Seaton's arm, "'for our good hostess, out of courtesy, might think herself obliged to keep us company longer "'while we know that she is impatiently awaited elsewhere.' "'With these words, Mary went into her bedroom, "'while the old lady, still quite stunned with the shower of sarcasms that the queen had rained on her, "'withdrew, murmuring, "'Yes, yes, he is a Douglas, and with God's help he will prove it, I hope.' the queen had had strength as long as she was sustained by her enemy's presence but scarcely was she alone than she sank into a chair and no longer having any witness of her weakness than mary seaton burst into tears indeed she had just been cruelly wounded till then no man had come near her who had not paid homage either to the majesty of her rank or to the beauty of her countenance but precisely he on whom she had reckoned without knowing why with instinctive hopes insulted her at one and the same time in her double pride of queen and woman thus she remained shut up till evening at dinner-time just as lady Lochleven had informed mary she ascended to the queen's apartment in her dress of honour and preceding four servants who were carrying several dishes composing the prisoner's repast and who in their turn were followed by the old castle steward having as on days of great ceremony his gold chain round his neck and his ivory stick in his hand The servants placed the dishes on the table and waited in silence for the moment when it should please the queen to come out of her room, but at this moment the door opened and in place of the queen, Mary Seton appeared. "'Madam,' she said on entering, "'her grace was indisposed during the day and will take nothing this evening. It will be useless, then, for you to wait longer.' "'Permit me to hope,' replied Lady Lucklevin, "'that she will change her decision. In any case, see me perform my office.' At these words, a servant handed Lady Lochleven bread and salt on a silver salver, while the old steward, who, in the absence of William Douglas, fulfilled the duties of carver, served to her on a plate of the same metal a morsel from each of the dishes that had been brought. Then this transaction ended. So the Queen will not appear today, Lady Lochleven inquired. It is Her Majesty's resolve, replied Mary Seton. Our presence is then needless said the old lady, but in any case the table is served, and if her grace should have need of anything else, she would have but to name it. With these words, Lady Lochleven with the same stiffness and the same dignity with which she had come withdrew, followed by her four servants and her steward. As Lady Lochleven had foreseen, the queen yielding to the entreaties of Mary Seton came out of her room at last towards eight o'clock in the evening, sat down to table, and served by the only maid of honor left her, ate a little, then getting up, she went to the window. It was one of those magnificent summer evenings on which the whole of nature seems making holiday. The sky was studded with stars which were reflected in the lake, and in their midst, like a more fiery star, the flame of the chafing dish shone, burning at the stern of a little boat. The queen, by the gleam of the light it shed, perceived George Douglas and Little Douglas, who were fishing however great her wish to profit by this fine evening to breathe the pure night air the sight of this young man who had so grossly insulted her this very day made such a keen impression on her that she shut her window directly and retiring into her room went to bed and made her companion in captivity read several prayers aloud then not being able to sleep so greatly was she agitated she rose and throwing on a mantle went again to the window the boat had disappeared mary spent part of the night gazing into the immensity of the heavens or into the depths of the lake but in spite of the nature of the thoughts agitating her she none the less found very great physical alleviation in contact with this pure air and in contemplation of this peaceful and silent night thus she awoke next day calmer and more resigned unfortunately the sight of lady Lochleven, who presented herself at breakfast time to fulfill her duties as taster brought back her irritability perhaps however things would have gone on smoothly if Lady Lochleven, instead of remaining standing by the sideboard, had withdrawn after having tasted the various dishes of the courses. But this insisting on remaining throughout the meal, which is at bottom a mark of respect, seemed to the Queen unbearable tyranny. Darling, she said, speaking to Mary Seton, have you already forgotten that our good hostess complained yesterday of the fatigue she felt in standing? Bring her, then, one of the two stools which compose our royal furniture, and take care that it is not the one with the leg broken. "'If the furniture of Lochleven Castle is in such bad condition, madam,' the old lady replied, "'it is the fault of the kings of Scotland. The poor Douglases for nearly a century have had such a small part of their sovereign's favour that they have not been able to keep up the splendour of their ancestors to the level of that of private individuals, and because there was in Scotland a certain musician, as I am informed, who spent their income for a whole year in one month. Those who know how to take so well, my lady, the queen answered, have no need of being given to. It seems to me the Douglases have lost nothing by waiting, and there is not a younger son of this noble family who might not aspire to the highest alliances. It is truly vexatious that our sister, the Queen of England, has taken a vow of virginity, as is stated. Or rather, interrupted Lady Lockleaven, that the queen of scotland is not a widow by your third husband but continued the old lady pretending to recollect herself i do not say that to reproach your grace catholics look upon marriage as a sacrament and on this head receive it as often as they can this then returned mary is the difference between them and the huguenots for they not having the same respect for it think it is allowed them to dispense with it in certain circumstances at this terrible sarcasm, Lady Lochleven took a step towards Mary Stuart, Holding in her hand a knife, which she had just been using to cut off a piece of meat, brought her to taste. But the Queen rose up with so great a calm and with such majesty, that either from involuntary respect or shame of her first impulse, she let fall the weapon she was holding, and not finding anything sufficiently strong in reply to express her feelings, she signed to the servants to follow her, and went out of the apartment with all the dignity that anger permitted her to summon to her aid. Scarcely had Lady Lochleven left the room than the Queen sat down again, joyful and triumphant at the victory she had just gained, and ate with a better appetite than she had yet done since she was a prisoner, while Mary Seton deplored in a low tone and with all possible respect this fatal gift of repartee that Mary had received, and which, with her beauty, was one of the causes of all her misfortunes, but the queen did nothing but laugh at all her observations, saying she was curious to see the figure her good hostess would cut at dinner-time. Chapter Five, part two.